Minds Under Siege, The Reflections of a Therapist. Listening in silence to the couple in my rooms, I was struck by the hostility darting back and forth between them. It reminded me of a fencing match as accusations were thrust and parried with wounding accuracy into the fragile heart of the relationship. A line from Elliot's dry selvages came to mind. We had the experience, but missed its meaning. My intuition automatically focused on the word meaning, as I wondered why my mind produced the following thoughts. What I sow I will reap. If I make you cry, I will weep. That thoughts seemingly appear from nowhere into the mind is not an experience unique to me. But is it only explicable in terms of the intuitive function? What I was witnessing in this couple was the behavioural outcome or expressed deed of thought processes. Thoughts which drove them to relive in minute detail every past hurt they felt that the other had inflicted upon them. This, however, had little to do with the positive intuitive function. I was watching two people who loved each other lash out emotionally, being driven by their incoming thoughts of past grievances, thoughts that drove them to act as if those hurts were being inflicted again in the present moment. What is it about this process of thought which has so much power to recreate and trigger past events? and to reactivate emotions associated with events so forcefully that the ability to distinguish between what had occurred then and what is happening now is actually obliterated. And why is it that these thought processes primarily seem to constellate the negative? How often do we as helpers find that our clients spend endless time in negative thought processes about past events? rather than focusing on positive events, which must have occurred at some stage in their lives and relationships. These were the questions I asked myself after the session, as I reflected on the theories I had studied to assist me in some measure towards an understanding of the process I had experienced. And truthfully, I still had not come up with an answer. At the core of most theories attempting to come to grips with the powerful interplay between the mind and emotions is the belief that insight usually produces positive change. Yet it struck me that despite the plethora of knowledge and the exponential growth of theories on the mind and emotions, a corresponding growth in psychological, emotional and spiritual well-being does not seem to have occurred in the human race. Why is it, I ask myself, that I am busier now than I was 20 years ago? Why is it that I and many of my colleagues are experiencing an increase in the negative thought processes of our clients when so much information has become available to the general public? As professional carers, we have to admit that despite the belief that our theories provide answers, our services are in ever-increasing demand. This can only be explained either because those afflicted are in fact not being fully helped by us or a greater percentage of the planetary population is succumbing to mental and emotional trauma. There is no doubt that we are providing care but are we providing mental relief within the minds of our clients? 
As I daily listen to an increasing number of people voicing fears at the negativity of thoughts that assail their minds, it would seem not. Clients variously speak of these thoughts as not belonging to themselves, but coming from outside the self. Comments made are, they popped into my mind from nowhere. I don't know what came over me. It's as if these thoughts are coming from somewhere else. They are not mine, but of course they must be. My question is, where are these thoughts coming from? Certainly those people we label schizophrenic have no doubt that the voices or thoughts heard by them are communications from beings at other levels of existence. However, the majority of people I see are not labelled schizophrenic and cannot be classified into the categories contained in the DSM-3. Yet, they too are reporting powerful negative thought processes stemming from sources other than their own minds, identifiable by some as not being a part of their own unique consciousness. This escalation of negative thought in an ever-increasing number of ordinary people can no longer be explained solely in terms of our current understanding of mental illness. Is it enough to use drugs, chemicals, as a mental restraint? In reality, chemical restraints have replaced the old physical restraints of past times. They seem to have the effect of deadening or lessening the thought process. This results in some loss of expression by the individual, but the chemical restraint in itself does not distinguish between the positive or negative thoughts thereby lowering the whole mental framework of the patient. Chemicals or not, the patient is still the recipient of negative feelings and thoughts. Something ails us. And certainly, none of us can be immune from the epidemic of negative deeds, either performed or thought about by most of us, whether at a national, community, personal or interpersonal level we are increasingly responding to emotional, verbal or physical threat from without or from within by attack and retaliation towards others or ourselves. The alarming increase in the suicide rate attests to this. Drugs, theories, psychoanalysis and various other therapeutic interventions have failed to give us a satisfactory cure. As I searched for answers, you can imagine my surprise to find that the understanding of this process was discovered not in scientific or psychiatric journals, nor in the theories of Jung, Freud, Adler, Sullivan, Rogers or Haley to name but a few, but revealed in a recent book of spiritual insight titled The Testament of Truth. When I read it, my first reaction was, this is only a book of very simple verse. But after deeper reading, I had to admit that the word simple merely reflected the humility it required of me to read it. For after all, I considered myself conversant with most theories on mental and emotional illness. This book profoundly challenged my current understanding and knowledge in this area. 
the wisdom of its explication of the cognitive, emotional, psychological and spiritual crisis we all are currently facing could not be dismissed. So deeply has this written word impacted within me that I am compelled to pass the information on. This I now do, believing it is incumbent upon those who work in this area, whether nurse or doctor, welfare worker or policeman, minister or mental health worker, to avail themselves of the information contained therein. A brief summary of my understanding of it is that we are now in a time when the cleansing love of God's light is flooding the universe. Wherever light flows, darkness is drawn to the surface from within. This leads to the experiencing of an intensification of negative emotions, such as fear, anger, hatred, revenge or jealousy. The proportion of dark negativity drawn up from within requires a corresponding amount of light to draw it out, and this is being done invisibly by the source. The converse is also true. As we deny the light and draw in dark negativity, which we are doing through negative deed, we dim the inner light or divine spark within us. As psychiatrists, therapists and counsellors, we can in some measure relate to this concept through our understanding of the therapeutic process. In psychoanalytic terms, the more insight we provide for our clients, the more light is deemed to flow into the dark, repressed contents of the unconscious. Our theory then maintains that we will be less driven by these repressed contents. We also accept that this emergence from the unconscious causes increased emotional turmoil as the process continues, hence increasing negativity. However, our current theories do not account for why why the more we bring up from the unconscious, the more our thoughts seem to focus on what still remains consciously undiscovered. This is akin to the never-ending negative thought intrusion explained above. The revelations in the Testament of Truth give insight into this. It explains that as increasing negativity is drawn to the surface by the light, in therapeutic terms, insight, the surfacing emotions being drawn out result in an intensification, an intensifying vibrational wavelength. These are felt by other beings on different lower levels of existence. Here there exists a bottomless pit of negative thought projection. This is a new truth for me, not one I could find anywhere else. There are beings in existence at these lower levels who have only one way of fulfilling their emotional needs and that is accomplished by our inspired deeds which they can and do instigate by telepathically controlling our minds. The feelings of increasing negativity are much stronger at this spiritual cleansing time and this in turn allows for easier telepathic access to our minds. In short, our radio is tuned in to the negative station. On this particular station, we receive thoughts from souls at other levels of consciousness, whose negative emotions vibrate 
at the same negative frequency or wavelength as our own. Since each emotion has a wavelength or vibration of its own, we find that we are in fact tuned in, as it were, to a corresponding negative or dark energy force. The resulting increase in the negative thoughts that seem to come from nowhere are in fact the thoughts of other souls interpolating with our minds. In this way, we suddenly find that the initial emotion of, say, fear, concluded in thoughts which engendered such a tremendous emotional response that, to use a common expression, our thoughts ran away with us, and run with us they do, way beyond the stimulus of the initial fear. At this time of increased emotions, our minds are more conducive to mental access. The power of the darkness, then, is its spellbinding continuity of thought, which keeps our minds going round and around in ever-increasing negativity. Concern and worry about tomorrow, plotting revenge over yesterday's hurts, holding on to unforgiving thoughts. This results in mental torment, irrationality, and moments of temporary insanity until our minds are totally controlled and lead us to deeds, deeds of abuse, either verbal, emotional or physical, to ourselves or to other people. The chief characteristic of this process is that the inundation of thoughts and emotions compel us to actions which in saner moments we think ourselves quite incapable of performing. When I grasped the full impact of this process, it gave me an insight into a phenomena which to date has eluded so many of us. For if this thought intrusion leads to compelled irrational action, then the increasing number of youths suiciding for no obvious other or external reason becomes more explicable. In therapeutic terms, this is referred to as the obsessional thought processes. But if conscious will, insight, understanding and even years of therapy do little to abate obsessional thought, could it not simply be accounted for by the explanation in the Testament of Truth? In short, are these obsessional thoughts coming not from the individual's unconscious, but from beings outside our conscious awareness? Is it that due to the neglect of the spiritual side of our beings, the side that connects us to the source, the light, we no longer are able to draw on the light and thus are now unable to hold the negative dark intrusions into our minds? God's call now, as always, is for love and peace and non-retaliation when confronted. Since all of us can acknowledge that we have sinned insofar as we succumb to negative emotions and thoughts, emotions and thoughts which led to abuse or retaliation, it takes little to realise that we have denied the call to only love. This resulted in us drawing in darkness, a darkness which is now surfacing at an accelerated rate. How are we to retain our rationality and sanity as both internal and external confrontation 
escalates with the corresponding surge of negative emotions. My understanding from reading the Testament of Truth is that we need to break the flow of negative thought intrusion. This is accomplished not by numbing the mind chemically, nor by plumbing its depth by endless digging into the unconscious, but by building the arc of the mind, meaning fortifying the mind against negative thought intrusion by consciously choosing to draw on the light. Until we are able to accept that we are mental transceivers on a thought level, we will be unable to even make that choice and our thoughts will continue to be manipulated by souls on other levels of consciousness. The powerful pull of negative emotions are difficult enough in themselves to control, but they become impossible to contain if we do not control the accompanying thoughts. This is achieved by thrice daily drawing on the light that is available to us. This is done through a simple prayer which uses the morning star being the star of Bethlehem. This star is the symbol of God's word, of wisdom, light, love and truth. The prayer goes as follows. Creator of the heavens, Mother of love, I see your star shining above. Please cleanse my mind with all your love so that I may heed your call of peace from above. The prayer momentarily halts the negative thought flow, giving us a little clarity, a little calmness, a little rationality, and mental respite from the negative thought intrusions that otherwise flows on and on. The full cessation of negative thought flow is only attained once the energy essence of any particular negative emotion is cleansed out of the soul by God's grace. My experience to date is that the clients and friends who, with understanding of this insight, put the prayer into practice, do experience a lessening of negative thought flow. I therefore feel it is my task to simply pass this message on. What you do with it is your choice. I only ask that you avail yourself of this deep wisdom in its fullness by reading the book. In so doing, you make a choice about its validity based on a personally informed decision. My prayer for you is that God's grace will touch your minds as you read, even as it did mine. I hope this message reaches you.